The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast back again. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam, here as we enter the dark, dark days of the Chiefs offseason. It's all over, Verderam. The draft is over, the schedule's out. What do we have to look forward to now? Mini camps? Uh, peace and quiet. But <laughs> I, I don't even have that because I have a six-week-old daughter who squeaks nonstop. So yeah, mini camps, OTAs, uh, and then just a lot of speculation and, and whatnot before we get to actual training camps. This is the last week of July. But until then, uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty quiet. Um, I'm not gonna not gonna lie to the viewership. It's gonna be a lot of speculation until then. It's a brutal stretch, but uh, we need y'all to keep keep the support coming. Keep tuning into the show. We're not gonna we're not gonna bail on you. We're gonna keep bringing you two shows a week. There's plenty to talk about and things to. This is a chance I think for us all to we can take a deep breath. We can dive into some things in a little bit more detail. Break down some player tape, that kind of stuff. It'll be fun. So hang with us this offseason, uh, and then we'll be ready to party when the when the footballs start flying once again this summer. So I wanted to ask you, Verderam, here we are. It's it's still technically spring, I guess, but we're, we're entering summer. It's like over 80 degrees in Chicago today. Do you have any big summer plans? You know, I don't until, until actually about when training camp starts. Um, it's mostly just going to be hanging around. July 4th is a lot of time when I go back to New York, but in this case, not not going to uh, be going back that early. It'll be a little bit later on. Um, so really, I think like July 20th, I'm going back and I'll be home for about three weeks. And then once I come back, then it's football until until uh, I, I pass out. But uh, no, nothing, nothing that stands out really. Just kind of trying to raise two little girls and keep myself breathing. You know, aside from the family stuff, I know that you are uh... – you're just a big, huge football nerd. And I know you're not like the biggest movie and TV guy. So what do you do? What do you do during this period in the summer to get your football fix? Uh, Drink heavily. No, (laughs) you know what? No, I I think realistically, you know, I, I watch a lot of, watch a lot of YouTube, watch a lot of old games. I think it's, I think it's fun to to go back and and see how how certain things used to unfold and how different game how different the game was. But a lot of times, honestly, you know, as much as I love football, there is a part of me during this dead period that it's like I can breathe a little bit. I mean, just because at work it's so nonstop for like nine months. That being said, if I want to watch something, yeah, it's usually YouTube, or I'll go back and if I want to do a little bit of work. You know, I'll, I'll go and I'll watch film of a guy. I mean, I have Game Pass, which works about 20% of the time. So, I'll, you know, I'll sit there and I'll watch film of a guy or I'll watch film of a team. You know, kind of get an idea of maybe uh, of a new head coach, a system they ran at their old, at their old uh, team. Uh, Niles asking, best football movie? Mm. I will forever say that my favorite football movie is Rudy, which I know is a really controversial opinion. Some people love Rudy. Some people think it's hokey. I actually am looking right now. I have a Notre Dame mini helmet signed by Rudy. So, I... I uh, 
Huge fan. Although I will say, remember the Titans for me is a really close yeah. number two. Yeah, I got to go with remember the Titans. It's my favorite. Just entertaining, great message. Yeah, some people like to crap on it because it's Disney and it's a little. It's a little bit. I think it is a probably. It's a little bit like fairy tale, right? You know, and 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 exaggerated in some ways. But hell, man, if you can't get behind the message and and the the storylines and stuff in that movie, I don't, you're a miserable bastard. Um, you deserve what you get. So yeah. Uh, we'll just take a, a quick pause before we get into Chiefs to tell you that this uh, podcast is brought to you by the Kansas City Beer Company. Casey Beer Co., our longtime sponsors. They're the largest locally brewed, uh, l- largest locally owned brewery in Kansas City. You'd think after reading the copy all the time, I would know how to get it out of my mouth, but there you have. They, uh, you, you know, they're actually the only, uh, they brew their beer according to the German purity laws of 1516 using only four ingredients, malt, pop, water, and yeast. And it's absolutely delicious. Um, you guys hear us talk about Casey Beer all the time. If you want to support this podcast give me a shout on twitter and follow them at, at casey beer co and let them know that you heard about their beer on the arrowhead attic podcast if you're in the kansas area the kansas city area look for the red label in the grocery store grab some casey beer head over to the brewery and please drink responsibly all right let's get into some chief stock so um it's that time of year we got to look for things to talk about. What do we want to dive into? But there's still a lot of questions coming out of the draft. But before we get to that and some some individual players that we want to talk about, I wanted to ask you something, Vertoram, because I've been seeing this on Twitter. You know, there are a lot of changes, like seismic changes happened in the NFL offseason. It was absolutely crazy. Yes. Quarterbacks moving around. Everybody's trying to load up. You know, if, uh, people in the AFC feel like they've caught up to the Chiefs a little bit. Right. You know, the Bengal upstart Bengals, you got Herbert and the Chargers and now Russell Wilson and the Broncos. And so there's a lot of predictions flying around because that's what happens this time of year. And a lot of people are predicting, hey, look, the Chiefs lost Tyreek Hill. The rest of the guys got better. They got quarterbacks. They added they loaded up in free agency. And a lot of folks are predicting that the Chiefs may not win the AFC West. They may not go deep into the playoffs. They could be a wild card team. Um, Do you think that there's a little bit of disrespect flying around right now when it comes to Mahomes and the Chiefs? Yes and no. I I think, look, it's completely reasonable to look at the Chiefs and say they got a lot of young players who are going to play real snaps on defense. They brought in a lot of new pieces on offense. They lost their most dynamic weapon offensively. They're not going to be as good. I mean, you could easily make that case. Like You could absolutely sit there and say, I like Juju Smith-Schuster and Marcus Valdez-Scantling and Ronald Jones. They don't add up to Tyreek Hill. Like, that is reasonable to say that. And to say that it's not, it's kind of crazy. I do think, though, the idea that, like, they're going to fall off a cliff and not make the playoffs. Look, if Mahomes is healthy and breathing, they're making the playoffs. That's how, like I right. I will argue that forever. And I, by the way, that's not like a homer take. I feel the same way about the Packers. Like all these people who think the Packers somehow are like this borderline playoff team. They have Aaron Rodgers. That team's winning 12 to 13 games. They're just going to do it. I, I think the Chiefs kind of fall in that same boat. Now, the question for me with the Chiefs, and I think it's going to be the question that defines their season, other than obviously health and all that. These young kids that they brought in, rookies specifically, how good are they? And how good are they right now? Last year, I think a lot of us got spoiled by the fact that Chiefs had three guys come in and pretty much right away were just really good. I mean, Bolton kind of came on as the season went along. Humphrey and Smith from day one were awesome. That's a rare thing to have three draft picks, especially all non-first round guys, come in and just be 
pretty much dominant in the case of Humphrey and Smith from the second the, the first whistle blows. The Chiefs had 10 picks this year. They had two first rounders. Can the Chiefs have another three guys that just come in and right away maybe aren't like all pro level like we saw to Humphrey and Smith, but they're they're really good players. You know, can you get that out of McDuffie and Carl Loftus and maybe a Sky Moore? If you can, I don't think there's any fall off at all with the team. If, if you can't yeah. and it takes a while, then I think there's a reasonable case to say, look, it's a brutal schedule. It's a really tough division. It's a great conference. They'll make the playoffs, but will they be a one or a two seed? Probably not. I think it depends very, very much on the rookie class. I think it's going to be interesting, too, because it's going to be a long season. You're going to have – I mean, we saw it with Nick Bold. He flashed. You could see the talent that you were a little bit – you know, he didn't always know where to be. And right. uh, that that's right. oh, that's what part of being a rookie. And and then by the end of the season, he started being in the right, right spot at the right time. And, and, and his instincts that we saw flash earlier in the season started to take over a little bit. I'm really excited to watch him this season now that he's got a year under his belt. And I think, I think, look, I think there is a degree of disrespect, but I think that this happens when you're a team that is as consistently successful as the Chiefs have been, right? I mean, we just saw it with the Patriots on a, on a much higher level, obviously winning Super Bowls, but it's like every year, everybody always picked the Patriots to win the AFC and it was a boring pick. But a lot of years they did it. A lot of it was a, it was the smartest bet you yep. could have made many of those years. And so it's when you see all these exciting things and you see other teams getting better. Sure, it's 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 easy to say. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Broncos. I'm gonna go with the Chargers. They're finally gonna get over the hump, you know. And and not with the Chiefs because that's not interesting. And of course, look, it's hard to win every year. There may be a year during Mahomes' career where they don't make the playoffs. It just you know things happen. Uh, it's 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 unlikely. I think because he's so good, but tough schedule, some injuries. But what if something happens to Travis Kelsey? Right, right. Now your offense is really struggling. I mean, look, I I would also say this: like the Pats, of all the things that they taught me over the twenty years of their greatness, was you know I remember years. Now they, they, mind you, their greatness spanned from when I was like thirteen years old through when I had a, a, a kid. Okay, so a long, long route. But there were some years in there where I would look at them and go. Other than you know three guys, like they're not even that good. Like they're just like it's Brady, it's Gronk, it's maybe Revis, and then it's a bunch of like it's like Rob Ninkovich is like the fifth best player. And then you'd watch them, and a lot of times early in the year, maybe they'd be you know three and two, four and two. Yeah, by the but by like Christmas, you'd be watching them and going. Yep, they're probably going to the Super Bowl again because nobody's beating that team in Foxborough. Now, part of that was the division was a train wreck for 20 years. But the biggest lesson was you had Belichick and you had Brady, and they were just going to win games. That team was going to find ways to beat to beat other teams. And this is one thing I think that does matter for the Chiefs more this year. You watch that Pats team, and you realize they never beat themselves. Like that team, if you were going to beat them, you were going to beat them. It wasn't going to just be like, well, you know, the Pats are just so overwhelming and that's what they... No, a lot of times it was because New England never blew an assignment. They weren't out of position. They did all the little things. They did every little thing right. And to be fair, Belichick, whatever you want about him, one of the great game planners of all time. I mean, how many teams every week, the guy, it's a completely different team you're playing against, right? They'll yeah. play 4-3 or 3-4. They'll play heavy dime. They'll play heavy up front. That's one thing the Chiefs are going to have to be better at. That has not been a strong suit of theirs over the years. Like They make a crap ton of mistakes, but they just cover them up because they're, they're so special talent-wise. This team, I don't know that they're going to get away with that as much. Like They can't have these games, if you think back last year, to Washington, where Mahomes had that half where he's throwing like two picks, and one of them was straight up in the air. and It, it didn't matter in the end because they're just so much better than him. 
they they have to have games more now where it's more buttoned up. Like, hey, we don't have multiple turnovers in a game, and we don't take 11 penalties. And Andy doesn't have one of these brain snaps where in the third quarter of an AFC Divisional game against a great team, Blake Bell's taking it off tackle. Like, you can't do that. That, that shit sends you home. Yeah. And that is the biggest difference for me with this football team. They are not going to have, at least I don't think they'll have, that massive window of grace where it's just, hey, whatever, don't worry about that 10 penalties because you'll throw one to Hill for five yards and it'll go for 50. Like They're going to have to button it up. If they do that, I think they'll be fine. If they don't, it could be very interesting. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, and I think, I think what's going to make it a little bit easier for them is if they can improve the defense so that the offense yep. doesn't feel like it has to score every time. And also that it doesn't feel like it has to score in a hurry. And I think what I'm hoping what we're going to see from this offense this year, and we saw flashes of it last year where they were just ridiculously efficient and they just had a hard time stringing it together consistently, where they're just really methodical, moving the ball down the field, somewhat boring, 10 yards at a time, seven yards at a time, running the football a little bit more and just just eating teams alive. And 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 I think that'll happen if the defense improves, given all that they invested in it in the draft. Well, and also, look, I don't think it's, it's it's hard to see defensively. They really wanted to get more athletic, and they wanted to get yep. uh, more more speed in that defense, which obviously goes part and parcel with with the, the former. But they were at times last year a very slow defense. I mean, that yeah. team defensively. How many guys would you say last year on that team had above average speed? I would say probably Thornhill and Willie Gay. And that might yeah. be the extent of the list. Now, now there are some guys who aren't slow. A guy like a Snead or a Fenton. Yeah, I'd say Tyron Matthews is average speed. But, you know, guys like Nick Bolton, they're not now he's not a burner by any stretch, but he has great instincts. So he, he makes up for it a little bit. But guys like Ben Neiman and Anthony Hitchens and Daniel Sorensen, like that's just that's a murder scene against a good right, offense. Right. And you'd say, well, it's one guy. So but good offenses, like I mean, think about how many times last year when Daniel Sorensen was on the field, how, even as the year went on, it was lesser and lesser. Like Teams would just relentlessly go at him. If he was yep. on the field, I remember the AFC title game. He It felt like he didn't play very much at all in that game. I'd have to go back and confirm that. But there was a play in the third quarter when the Bengals were going for two, a two-point conversion. They were down by a couple. And he mind-bogglingly was on the field in man coverage. And Joe Burrow, if you watch the film of it, Joe Burrow doesn't even look at anybody else. Like He just immediately is like, that's where the ball's going. 
And right. Swanson got torched, and it was two points, yeah. and that's it. The Chiefs went out and got Brian Cook, who's a really athletic safety who hits like a truck. It's You want to watch some fun tape of a guy just lighting people up? That that tape is for you. George Karloftis is a really athletic defensive end. Trent McDuffie tests really well athletically. Joshua Williams, corner out of Lafayette State. Again, another really athletic guy. I mean, just about everybody that they drafted this year, yeah. their athletic profile is through the roof. And it was, it's not an act. Justin Reed is a really athletic guy. Like that's not an accident. They intentionally went after that. And, and it makes sense when you think about the teams that they're going after, you know, I was there for that game against Buffalo in the divisional round and you could see the lack of athleticism hurting them because Josh Allen is so athletic and so dynamic. It it just, it was so frustrating because he would, you know, they would do a good job in coverage and they, he would move the chains or they would get some pressure on him and he would escape. And then he would pick up seven yards and get a first down. And it was, you were just like, Oh, and they would, they would be just a yard away sometimes. I mean, like he would just get it and they need that athleticism because you're looking at these quarterbacks. Hey, look, man, Peyton Manning's gone. Brady's out of the AFC. Roethlisberger's gone. There's not, there's not any more of these like statue quarterbacks, right? They are athletes. Joe Burrow is not, a blazer or anything, but he can move. He's young. You've got Lamar Jackson to deal with. You've got Mahomes to deal with. Herbert. All these guys, uh, they can they can Deshaun move. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Right. I mean, yeah. All I mean, those guys can problem. move. They can all. Russell yeah. Wilson, to some extent, he's thirty four now, but he's even more of a of an athletic guy certainly than some of these other yeah. guys. You're gonna have to look. You got to be able to run, and th- that team defensively last year could not run. I mean, it just got to a point where they had to be positionally perfect. Now, I will say this on the flip side: I think they did a great job of that. And Leo Chanel is another guy Gonzo brings up, who I, I think might be the-, the gem of the class in a lot of ways. That kid, by the way, you want to watch a film's going to make you feel pretty good about their draft class. When they drafted him, I went and I just found the tape against Iowa. And I said, "Well, that prize good tape. They're always a very good offensive line." Linderbaum is the best center in the draft, first round pick. Leo Chanel destroys Linderbaum in that tape, like to the point that it's almost comical, like over and over and over, either on blitzes or just heads up. I mean, it's that tape. If he plays like that in the NFL, the Chiefs are going to be just fine. But I think look, they. They had to get faster. They had to get more athletic. I think it's a big reason why they let some of these older guys go. I mean, some of them I already mentioned. Tyron Matthew, I still think, is a very good football player. I also think there's criticism of him ranging from, look, did he lose half a step last year, which maybe, um, to there were some business decisions. I am never one to sit here and question somebody's effort, but I will say this. I think there were some times you'd watch them, and not just him, by the way, and it was infuriating. Like There would be times with them where it was like you could have hit them but you really just felt like, eh, the hell with it. I remember specifically, and I don't mind calling this one out, Mike Hughes did it against the Titans, and it was all over Twitter, and it pissed me off to know. I mean, Mike Hughes could have hit Derrick Henry, and I get it, it's Derrick Henry. But, like, that's your job. Your job's to hit him. And he just yeah. pulled up. and was like, it, was, it was appalling. They need to find guys who aren't going to pull up. They need to find guys who want to stick their nose in there and crack somebody. And with Cook and Chenal especially, I think they found two guys like that who are going to bring the lumber Sometimes you you have to look. Football is a physical game, no matter how much the rules change. It matters when somebody's back there who can drop the hammer. It does. Like guys' arms get a little shorter. Guys don't want to go across the middle. They don't want to get hit again. Like that. Yeah. That stuff does add up over the course of a game and over the course of a season. Yeah, they definitely brought in some attitude too with some of these players in the draft. Carl Loftus, also known as a as a super high motor guy, just kind of relentless, makes up for maybe some athletic shortcomings that he might have. I'm really excited to see it. I want to, now that the dust has settled, so to speak, there are more moves that could happen, but I thought it'd be fun to power rank the AFC West post-draft. 
Uh, so we're going to get to that in just a second. But before we do, if you like the Arrowhead Attic podcast, do us a favor. First, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. It helps more people find our content. Um, and, and please consider becoming a member of the Arrowhead Attic family. All of the topics that we're talking about on the podcast today were suggestions from Arrowhead Attic members in our private Discord. Arrowhead Attic members get access to special emojis, loyalty badges uh, that they can use during the live YouTube streams. And they also get the invite to the Discord where they hang out with myself and, and the other hosts, Matt and Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. We talk Chiefs football. We talk movies, beer, so much more. Uh, Members get uh, invitations to private events with the hosts. Like we're doing a virtual happy hour, I think on Monday. Um, So check the link uh, in the description if you're interested in joining. And and of course, not compulsory. Everybody, if there's inflation, we get it. Um, But if you're interested and you want to support the show, that's a great way to do it. Uh, We appreciate your support. Okay. Also, real quick, real quick, uh, because we we sometimes gloss over these. We have two reviews that I want to get to real quick. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've hit doors three gave us five stars. Thank you very much. Said love these guys. You guys are my go-to for cheese info and opinions. Accurate and up to date. Fun fact. I went to high school with a cousin of Steve's from the Casey brewing company. So that is cool. Um, And by the way, Casey, uh, the Casey beer company has a a colch out right now. That is incredible. I have had about seven of them this week. Good summer beer. it's, It's beautiful. Then we had another one from reviewer and a whole bunch of numbers. One star. Now this one, this one was for me. Yeah. Um, Vernon is a chill, <laughs> which I do appreciate. Show's good, but the main host, yours truly, the shell, can't keep his disgusting politics to himself. What an idiot. This refers to, by the way, the uh, the, the mass shooting in Buffalo, which, which unfortunately tragically left 10 people uh, dead. And I tweeted out that I think it might be time in this country for a few sensible gun laws, which which was just a bridge too far for this individual. And let me be the first to tell you, pal, shove it. I don't care. I don't care what you think of that. Like, it, deal with it. Okay? If that's disgusting to you, well, you know what? There's a bunch of families burying people. So you'll deal with it. Nobody's calling for like, the end of the earth here. But hey, you like the show. So awesome. Stick with that. But I, uh, we read all the reviews. And so, listen, sometimes I get to be called the shell and we're going to read it. It's, that's right. And I want to say, um, I'd like to apologize to all the gun owners out there. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I think we should give guns to everybody. Elementary school kids, yeah. I think we should strap them around dogs' necks. You know, no safety. Just see what happens. You know, have it dangling there. Look, yeah, we're, we're not going to you know, dive into all the politics. Hey, guys, no. we all have different views on things. It, uh, it, it doesn't have to always be so, so black yeah. and white. You don't have to get so mad. That's the thing that 10 quick seconds, like, that kills me. Yeah. So, first of all, anyone who's ever met me in my life, in your, there's not a person alive who's ever met me who's like, Verderam's just a, a bleeding heart liberal. There's no <laughs> way anyone right. who's ever met me feels that way. Secondly, look, if you've got an opinion on something, unless it's, like, really, 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 like, heinous and offensive, fine. Who cares? Like, that's what the country's about. You're allowed to have a bunch of ideas. Like, this idea that, like, somehow, like, that's just some unbelievable affront to you. And I actually said to this person, because they they referred to me, I said, look, if that's your beef, then fine. You're allowed to have that opinion. But isn't it the whole idea that, like, if, if somebody has an opinion and then everybody boycotts a, said company or whatever, right, because they either support something or don't support something, there's this side of the country that goes crazy when people boycott, which, fine, you're allowed to have that feeling. But then are you doing the same thing in this regard? Like, isn't that a weird, like, I don't understand, how is that not hypocritical? I just think, look, and my boy Hefe here, he says, go back to Europe. Sure, I I, uh, I was born in New York. Um, I, I, I am not <laughs> awesome. European, but, but thanks for the uh, invitation. I, who cares? 
Like, whether or not you're the biggest gun enthusiast, by the way, I don't care if you own a gun, it doesn't matter, but when 10 people get murdered in a supermarket, like, I don't know, maybe an ounce of introspection wouldn't be the worst thing. It's crazy to me how people get so unbelievably offended over somebody having an opinion in a country that's literally based on freedom of speech, the ideals of being able to converse, freedom of assembly, freedom to pr- to, to protest uh, peacefully. That dr- that just, I will never understand the mentality that if you disagree with me, you're going to hell, you're a horrible person. That just is mind-blowing, but I digress. Yeah. Yeah, when did we all become so soft? You know, it's like you're the guy across the street. He voted for the other guy or whatever. And you're like, all right, don't agree with that. We can still sit on the porch and have a beer, shoot the shit, talk chiefs. That's what we're here to do. I mean, you don't have to go off the and and believe me, it's both sides that are charm and soft with everything. Yeah. Constantly triggered about everything all the time. So uh, with that. Um, let's talk more Chiefs. Uh, we can get tri- we can get triggered about that, but let's talk about the AFC West. So, a little <laughs> bit of power it. rankings here. I'm gonna I'm gonna kick us off. So, I've still got the Chiefs on top in the AFC West. I know everybody yeah. loaded up. I think the Broncos have a really nice roster. The addition of Russell Wilson is is going to help them. But I got the Chiefs on top. I just think that they're still the best team. They've got, they've got the best coach and the best quarterback and a Hall of Fame tight end and the best offensive line. That's a lot of reasons right there for me to put them on top, even though they have a tough schedule. Um, next, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the Chargers again. I think it, I know he made some mistakes last year, but I, I I really admire their coach. I think he's a good coach. I think Herbert is the second best quarterback. All due respect to Russell Wilson, right now I think I think Herbert's just an excellent quarterback. And even though they've had a hard time getting over the hump, I I think the Chargers are right there. And you know. I don't know. A broken clock is right twice a day, right? So eventually they might win some of these games that they somehow managed to lose and uh, make a run at things. So we'll go with the Chargers next. Uh, and I got to go with the Broncos. It's just, you know, a, a lot of really good young receivers. Now they've got a quarterback. McDaniels second, or uh, not McDaniels. Um, who the hell's their head coach now? Denver? Denver. Nathaniel Hack. Hack. That's right. Sorry. Uh, you know, I, I think that they're uh, – I think they're really solid. I, I but I think they could be right there with the I think the Raiders are good, man. I like I like what they did in the draft. I like the addition of Russell Wilson. Uh I'm not Russell Wilson. Oh man, I'm all over the place here. Devontae Adams. And they they've been a scrappy team. And as much as much as we like to you know make fun of Derek Carr, he's been a solid quarterback for them for a for a long time. Not great, but he's been solid and he has, he's had flashes of, of being quite good. So it's going to be really competitive, but somebody has to finish last. And and right now, I still think it's the Raiders. So those those are my rankings. Well, I actually did this on Stack in the Box on Tuesday huh. with with uh, Ben Heisler, who had the same rankings that you do. And I'm this is going to be boring because I also have those rankings. I think yep. that's how it's going to shake. Now, that, that, by the way, which means we're all hideously wrong. Yep. Um, look, I, here's here's where. I, I fall on this. The Chiefs are the team that has proven over and over and over and over and over and over and over that it can win big games. The Broncos have proved nothing. The Chargers have proved repeatedly that they can't win a big game. And the Raiders have proven that I think Carr is better than a lot of people give him credit for. I also would ask everyone here. I think that Chandler Jones is an upgrade over Yannick Ngakwe. And I think Devonta Adams is going to be great. Can you name anybody on that defense other than the two edge rushers? That defense sucks. I mean, other than the two guys at edge who's good who's even like forget even like a pro bowl level player. like who's a guy who you're like that i mean rocky sin him like trayvon mullen i mean those are your corners the chiefs think they have a corner problem i mean those guys i didn't know that any of them would start I, so 
I think the Raiders are the worst team in the division based off of the fact I think the defense is going to give up 30 plus points. I really do uh, on, on an annual or on a, on a weekly basis. And then on top of that, I think their offensive line outside of Colton Miller is not good. I like Derek Carr. I think he's a top 12 quarterback in the league. I also think he's the worst quarterback in the division, not because he's not good, but man, you look at them and go, okay, like, eh, it, it's just, they're, they're talented, but I don't know that they're better than anybody else. I also have Denver third. I will admit though, I don't know what to make of Denver. Denver, of all the teams in the AFC, not just the West, is the team I look at and go, I don't know. I don't know. I could make a case for them where Wilson comes in and he's revitalized and they play well and Hackett's a really good coach and they win 12 games. I could also make a case where Wilson comes in and he's not particularly improved over what he's been the last year and a half, which has been more average than great. And their offensive line struggles and the defense takes a step back without Fangio and they go eight and nine. Like I... I will split the difference. I think they're about a 10-win team. And then the Chargers, I, I had to tell you, it's going to maybe annoy some people. I think the Chargers are the more talented team than the Chiefs, 1-53 through 53 right now. Mm. I do. The problem with the Chargers is twofold. A lot of their big stars, they get hurt all the time. And that's something that we never factor in when we're making all these projections because everybody's healthy right now. Bosa, Derwin James, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, they get hurt a lot. I mean, you know, especially the three not named to Keenan Allen. They get hurt a lot. And then can they win a big game? I don't know. Can Brandon Staley, is he going to is he gonna help him or hurt him? I don't know. I think he did a little bit of both last year at times. The Chiefs still have the best coach. They have the best quarterback. They, they, I will tell you right now, by far have the best offensive line. For those things alone, I think they'll win. The one thing that worries you with the Chiefs is it's a lot of young players defensively who are going to play real snaps. I think early in the year, the Chiefs offense is going to have to carry the mail for them because early in the year, and Spag's defense is always stink anyway early in the season, and I, yeah. I think this year especially, they're going to have to score a lot of points. But I think they can. I think they will. So I still think the Chiefs are going to win their 12 games. I think the Chargers are going to be right behind them. But I can't, like, I've seen a lot of people pick the Chargers to win the Super Bowl. Can the Chargers get to the playoffs? Like, right, right. All the talent they have, get to the playoffs. I mean, I, they don't even do that very often. So I'll take the Chiefs. Yeah. It, just real quick on that Charger issue with injuries. I've been thinking a lot about that, too. It just seems every year. Do you think it's the players or do you think – and I'm not trying to, you know, crap on anybody here, but, like, how much of it do you think it might have to do with the training staff? Like, is there something over, like, some techniques that they're – because we know, like, in general, a lot of these injuries are random. But we know, yep. like, Rick Burkholter, like, the Chiefs training staff, the Chiefs have been, in general, very good with injuries. Like, you want to call it part luck, of course. But I think they're one of the best staffs in, in the league, and they're obviously doing some things right. They're maybe not rushing players back. They're individual programming for each player. I don't know what it is, but do you think there's something to it in Los Angeles, or is it just the guys they have are a little more injury prone? I think it's I think it's more the latter, honestly. I think it's just a lot of look. There are some guys through no fault of their own, they just they get hurt. I mean, it's just, you know bad luck, or maybe just just you know body type, whatever. They just get injured, you know. I, I, so I think it's more about that. It's not a it's not an unfair question, certainly. I will say with the Chiefs, Burkholder is pretty renowned as one of the best trainers in the NFL. They have they have always been very good with that. And also, look, I'll say this for the Chiefs: they hold one of the hardest camps in football. They are easily one of the most physical. I think that helps you. Like maybe in the beginning, it's a little bit more risky because. You know, you're, you're acclimating yourselves to the more physical style play quickly. The Chiefs play their starters in the preseason a lot more than some of these other teams. Um, That's true. Yep. I think that helps. Your body gets used to it. Your body starts to acclimate. You know, I, I know, I, you know, Mahomes, like, 
for an example, and this isn't with the Chiefs, this is in the offseason, but um, he's a guy, he actually, like when he's training, he trains on how to get hit, how to fall certain ways, which is, by the way, um, there are many players who do that, but I do think that's really interesting. Like that's, that's part of the way that these guys get ready for the season. But when you actually get hit, I think it does a disservice to these teams that nobody plays the whole preseason. And then week one, it's 80 plays and you're getting cracked over and over and over. And over. At some point, like yeah. your body goes into almost like a, whoa, like what happened? Whereas with the Chiefs, it's okay. You get hit 20 times, you get hit 30 times you get, and you ramp up. So I think that helps them. Uh, as somebody pointed out in the chat, the Chargers training staff did stab Tyra Taylor in the lungs like two minutes before a game. So um, that is true. That, that was, was unfortunate. not good. Yeah, that was not um, yeah the, the, the learning how to fall thing is really interesting. Learning how to hit the ground so that you don't break your collarbone. Uh, you yep. know, can you twist your body a certain way? How, how Best ways to absorb the impact. You know, I have a theater background and we used to take stage combat and, and we would do a similar thing as like they would teach you these moves and they'd be like, hey, when you fall, don't put your wrist out. Your wrist is like the easiest thing on your body for you to break. It's super brittle. And they talked about, you know, like put, putting your arms out straight and splaying your arms to distribute the impact, things like that. I'm sure that the professional athletes get a lot more of that type of stuff, especially for a quarterback. Got to stay on the field. Very interesting stuff. All right, let's let's move on. I want to talk about the, the, the Chiefs and the pass rush. Um, but first, uh, did you know that the Arrowhead Attic podcast now has swag? On the last episode, I was rocking the new Arrowhead Attic t-shirt. Check out the link in the description and rock some Arrowhead Attic podcast swag. Check out, uh, in particular, the Adidas golf hat, which I don't have on me, but is really, really great. Sterling was rocking that on the course recently. There's also a really great champion hoodie that they have. You can stock up for winter so that you're uh, you're ready for some of these games at Arrowhead when it starts to get a little colder. All right, number three, this one came from our Discord. Third topic, is Veach done adding pass rushers? And I think this is a really interesting topic because I feel like a lot of Chiefs fans don't feel like KC did enough this offseason on the pass rush. Um, but now looking at things like, you know, you got Carl Loftus, they still have Chris Jones, they brought back Frank Clark, even though maybe he doesn't perf- hasn't performed to the level that people hoped he would. Right. Do you think maybe the Chiefs are more comfortable with their pass rush situation than the fans are, or is another move coming here? I think there should be another move, but I don't know what it is at this point. I'll, I'll be the first to, to say I thought they'd bring back Melvin Ingram, especially when they tagged him with that UFA tender. Now, they at least do get a comp pick out of it, which is nice, but I'm surprised they didn't bring him back. Um, and, and look, you have to have two to tango, and, and it seems like you kind of want to go to Miami, and that's fine. I can understand that. If there was one weakness on this team, that's it. It's that pass rush. That pass rush. I know you'd say, well, they got Carl Loftus, but most rookies, they have four or five sacks. Like that's even if they're good players, you know. Yes, there are the rare guys who come in and are just dominant off the bat. Maybe he's one of them, but to bank on more than five sacks out of him is probably foolish. It's probably not going to happen. And so my concern with them is they're going to have to blitz to get pressure. And when you do that, then you start opening up this whole idea of like, all right, now you're in man coverage. Well, you're going to have a rookie out there. You're going to have Fenton Sneed or or good players, especially Sneed, but maybe not guys who are going to be great. That is the concern. I mean, that that is the worry right now. If I'm the Chiefs, I'll tell you what I would do. I would, and, and, and Christian just brought him up. I would k- kick tires on Jadavian Clowney, who I am not a big Jadavian Clowney guy at all. I'm not. But 
at this point, that's one of those cross your fingers, hope he stays healthy for 15 games, and maybe you get nine sacks out of him. I mean, I'd also call the Panthers. Now, I don't think the Panthers are going to do anything because they know that they don't win this year. It's probably house cleaning. I'd maybe call them around the trade deadline if they're not good. Like, what does Brian Burns cost? Because I don't know how familiar everybody is with Brian Burns. Brian Burns can play. That kid is really good. I've seen Sue and JPP. Jacob brings him up. JPP to me is more interesting just because he plays on the outside. Uh, you know, Tiger says Dunlap, Carlos Dunlap, eight and a half sacks. Unless you're certainly another interesting guy. I think the Chiefs need to bring in another guy, quite honestly. I really do. I think they're at least a pass rusher short, unless you think Frank Clark's going to go out and have 10 sacks. But I, I have no reason to think that's happening. I like the addition of Clowney. He's, he did a, a nice job last year in Cleveland. He was getting pressures. He got some sacks. Rotate him with Carl Loftus while he's, you know, if those guys end up getting, you know, say Clowney comes in and gets you six, seven sacks, Carl Loftus gets you five or six sacks. That's you're rotating them to Mike Dana and they're, like they're you can you can cobble it together for this year if you have to. Um, all right, so somebody wanted to know Verteram, how are the Chiefs going to use Leo Chenal? And I think that that was a really interesting question because obviously you were thinking heading into this. Now we know they need a depth in the linebacker position, right. but you, you know you're looking at okay, we're going to get a lot of Willie Gay, we're going to get a lot of Nick Bolton, and you know hopefully not too many other people are seeing the field. But we know that Spags likes to bring in that third linebacker sometimes. He wants his Ben Neiman. Is that is that? I mean, this guy, you know, he, this is pick 103. It's a third round pick, but this is a pretty high pick. How what do you how do you expect? How's he going to fit in the mix here? I think he's going to blitz a lot. I think he will take over the Neiman role. But look, if you watch him, he's a very good blitzer. He's he's very aggressive. Like to the point that there are going to be times with him where you could probably offensively get him out of a play because of his aggressiveness. But at the same point, there's going to be times where he hits some guy four yards in the backfield because he's just downhill like he shot out of a cannon. I think, look, Bolton and Gay are going to play the majority of the snaps provided their health. But Chanel, I do think, is going to see the field quite a bit. Now, I am of the belief Gay is your coverage backer. To me, it's nuts if he's not. I mean, that guy, he is heaven sent to cover a back out of the backfield or a tight end. Uh, he's shown he can do it. I don't think Bolton is that guy. Bolton, to be fair to him, got better as the year went on. But I think Bolton's more that classic thumping downhill, he's going to make a play at the line of scrimmage or, be, or even behind it type guy. I think Chanel's really going to fill that Ben Neiman. Listen, you're going to play him on an occasional second, but also third down. You can bring him on a blitz. You can drop him. He's athletic enough to cover. Uh, you know, if it's third and three or four, he, you know, he can play a run fit. So I think he's going to be a very valuable piece for them because let's face it, we all bitched and moaned last year about how much Ben Neiman played. Well, Chanel's in line to get those snaps along with a guy like a Jermaine Carter who they brought in from the Panthers. So I think he's a little bit more of a depth special teams type guy. But for the first time in years, I actually really like the linebackers. I think the linebackers are going to be a strength. If McDuffie's good at corner, I think the secondary is even pretty good. I really do. It's really, to me, the question with them is going to be, you know Jones is great in the middle. What do you have on the edge? That is the big overwhelming question is what, even next to Jones, you've got Naughty and Wirt, you'll figure it out, Stallworth. Who do you have on the edge? That's the big question. And I think they're going to they're gonna really dial it up on third down and try to mitigate that question. I think the future is bright for this defense. I really do. Maybe not all the pieces are there, but I really like a lot of the young guys I agree. in this makeover. Um, okay, I wanted to ask you real quick about the Justin Ross signing. I don't feel like we, you and I have talked about him on this show yet. Obviously, uh, comes in as an undrafted free agent. Uh, according to Ian Rappaport, only th- if you're not familiar out there listening, wide receiver out of Clemson, uh, only three teams cleared him to be drafted for their team. He's had major neck and spine injuries, fusion surgeries, a lot of scary sounding stuff. And that's why 
he didn't go. And he had one very like one good productive season in college, and, and after that, nothing to write home about. But the the physical talent and tools are there. How do you look at the signing? Is it is it a lottery ticket for the Chiefs? Yeah, it, it, look, it definitely is. If Justin Ross doesn't work out, fine, fine. What did they lose? They lost nothing. If he does work out, he's one of the best UDFAs I can remember. I mean, go watch his tape at Clemson. It is comical. Like, I remember, look, I'm not a huge college football guy. I usually just watch some of the bigger games. You know, kids who I know are going to be drafted high. That kid, I remember watching him in his in his college football playoff games against Notre Dame and Alabama. It was insane as a true freshman. So the talent is through the roof. The question just becomes, is he healthy? And of course, that's a huge question. That's why I wasn't drafted. I'm excited. I love these kind of upside moves, as we know Brett Veach does as well. Um, I know you've got to get to to soccer practice here in just a minute, as Maisie has, has come to say, "Hey, man, let's let's go start the car, turn on the AC." Yeah. But before before we get out of here for this week, we got to talk a little food. We do. I want your top three. We're going to do pie rankings. So let us know in the chat. Your top three pies of all time. This is really important. You only get three. You can't go to five. You can't sneak something in there. This is big. What are your top three pies, Verderam? All right. I think so, I know what number one's going to be. All right. So uh, I'm actually shockingly not a huge pie guy, but but I can get to three, no problem. So number three would be pumpkin pie. I like pumpkin pie. It's a kind of a thing, obviously. It's a seasonal deal, but yeah. um, I like it. I like it in the fall. Number two for me is apple pie. Um, the, mm. the, the crust is the best part. The crust is great. You got to have the right crust, the right yeah. consistency, but oh, beautiful uh, when done right. And then number one is not even a question. Uh, a chocolate peanut butter pie mm. is is a beautiful thing. I see Niall saying French silk, which Niall, I got to tell you, actually that, that really should be my number three, but yeah. I'll, I'll stick with the pumpkin just to, for consistency's sake, but that's a great call. The chocolate peanut butter pie, there is a place in Chicago uh, oh, I want to give him love, and I cannot think of first the name. slice. First slice, first I drove slice. Thank day. you. Yeah. Yes. So when I lived in Chicago proper, there's a couple of locations, but there was one like two blocks down from uh, my wife and I our, our our townhouse. So I was left to my own devices. This was before kids. She went on some girls' weekend, and it was a it was the fall. There was football. I'm like, you know what? I'm going down there, and I'm going to get uh, my myself one of these like a mini pie, right? It's just a, you know, it's a, basically a slice where it's just in a circle. And I get down there and the mini pie is like 15 bucks, but the, but the, the full size was 20. So I'm getting the full yeah. size and I also have a couple slices. I ate that whole thing in a weekend. Yeah. I, I, I probably went in a diabetic shock unknowingly during my sleep. Unbelievable. And I even bought one for the office later on, a couple of years later yep. for, oh, it, it, the best, the best pie I don't care how many calories or how many sugar. I don't care if it kills me early. It's worth it. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. So I'm going to go number three. Man, you got me with the French silk because I do love a French it's silk pie. It's a great pie. pie. It's a great Perkins pie. restaurant actually makes a really good French silk pie. Really? But I'm going to go. Num- yeah, yeah, Perkins. they do. Yeah, Perkins. Great, great Ooh, French no. silk. Um, number three for me, I think very underrated pie, pecan pie. Okay. I mean, you get okay. a good pecan pie, it'll knock your socks off. Absolutely good. Shout out to Key Lime. Couldn't fit them in there. Number two for me, cherry pie. I love cherry pie. I don't understand why apple gets all the love. I think cherry is far superior to, to apple pie. I love apple pie too, of course. Don't get me wrong. But I just, man, I love me a cherry pie. And then, of course, number one, I'm with you. It's the chocolate peanut butter pie from First Slice. I, the best way I can describe this to you all out there is that it's like a giant Reese's cup. Like it is ridiculous. It's so dense. 
it, the thing weighs like 35 pounds and it is like, I got it for my birthday cake one year. I was like, Mag was like, what do you want for your birthday cake? Usually I'm, you know, I'm a big Dairy Queen guy. Usually I go Dairy Queen ice cream cake all the way. Sure. But one year I was like, you know what? I want the first slice chocolate peanut butter pie. It's absolutely incredible. Christian says, I'm going to Chicago. I know where I'm going. Yes, sir. Reach out to us on Twitter. We'll tell you where it's at. Well, I guess you yep. can Google it, but um, we could give you some other recommendations too. Peanut butter pie, hands down, the absolute best. Anybody comes to Chicago, let me know. I'll buy you a slice. Um, all right, we got to get out of here. Vertoram has to go terrorize some kids on the soccer pitch. I do. Um, yeah, yeah. Time, time, to, time for these kids to shape up, you know? It's, it's game. We practiced for a few weeks. You know, the four and five-year-olds, and uh, had our first game Tuesday, and it was it was a close game. Took the L, but but overall was was happy with the effort. But I got to tell you, zero and one I can live with. Zero and two, everybody's running wind sprints afterwards. Yeah, um, yeah. You're four and five. It's time to it's time to take some accountability for who you are. So what's what's uh, the age group? Four and five year olds. Four and five year olds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're. I mean, they're ready. You know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not have... willing to deal with their nonsense. So. Uh. And by the way, I am going to put this. I'm going to just say this right now. Yes, I'm kidding. For the love of God, don't send me an email. Like <laughs> you're a horrible person. Like yeah. it's fine, guys. I don't care if they score a hundred goals or zero. But in, but for my for my uh, brand, yes, I'm going to yeah. be screaming at the children. Of course. Yeah, you have a persona to keep up here. I do. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, good, well, good luck to the kids at practice. Make sure this kids stretch. Don't need any. Yep. Uh, don't need any injuries here yep. going into the early end of the season. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in here in this offseason. We had a great turnout. Um, again, leave us that five star review on Twitter. We we, we need some more five star reviews because Verdam talked politics and pissed everybody off. So now we got another one star review. So we we need you to to, to double up for us. Help us um, out. Help me yeah. out. Bail me out for my shill content. Yeah, for the love of God, help us out. Um, and then, of course, if you want to become a member, I'd love to, to chat with you, get to know y'all in the Discord. So Richard says go back to communist China. That's right. Um, That's yeah. Right. Um, we appreciate y'all so much. Check out the description for all the things that we mentioned on the show. We'll hopefully be having another giveaway here soon. And uh, we will see you next week. Sterling and Matt Connor will be back on Tuesday. Verderam and I will see you on Thursday. But until then, go Chiefs. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H E R O.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.